Welcome to Shift the Gravity, a podcast of Traders Point Christian Church where we talk about what it means to be followers of Jesus who shift the gravity of whatever room we walk into. Let's join the conversation. Well, welcome back to the podcast. It's uh, hard to believe this is the final episode of season two. Wow. And uh, I'm here um, with my good friend, Ryan Bramlett. Mm. It's just the two of us today. We've had some amazing guests we have. Uh, throughout the season, but today we're closing things up with mm. just the two of us. Mm. And so Ryan, as you think uh, back um, across season two, what are some highlights and maybe some episodes, conversations that stood out to you? Yeah. Um... I'd say one that that really hit me pretty hard was the one looking at, uh, you know, kids and students Mm. and the influence that we have, you know, I have... With Ann and Anthony? Yeah, yeah. I have, you know, so many kids at home right now and and they're getting a little bit older um, to that place and just realizing, you know, it feels like my daughter went from zero to 10 really quick Mm. and trying to make the most of it. So um, it's really encouraged me and challenged me. I started reading... um, Intentional Father by John Tyson, which just lays out an incredible framework for, you know, what does it mean to be um, a man? And so many cultures, right? That's such a big pillar of um, their culture is that you know when you go from a boy to a man, you know all the things that make you a man, what you need to know, what you need to be able to do, what they want you to be able to experience. It's like rites of passage. Yes, yes. Because we oftentimes don't have that. No, it's like, okay, you're... You get to drive now, you get you to shave. vote now, yeah. Yeah, 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 you can drink now, I guess. Um, but what are those things that before they leave my house, I want them to be able to know, do, and experience? Yeah, so, so good. It's been good. What about you, though, That's as good. you look back at this season? Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation with uh, Tony and Jason mm. about like organizational leadership, and uh, I thought they just had so many great insights. That was a fun conversation to mm-hmm. have. Uh, the time went by really fast, but but I I've got to say the highlight was interviewing my daughters. Mm. Uh, I think that was maybe episode two of this season, yes. if I'm if I'm yeah, correct yeah. in thinking that. So we've had so much uh, good feedback from that mm-hmm. episode, and it was a lot of fun. And just having that, um, you know, recording. Uh, during that time period is yeah. going to be fun to look back on whenever they're o- older mm-hmm. uh, to that time whenever I got a chance to interview them yeah. and just some of their insights really kind of blew me away. So same, my yeah. favorite. No, and rightfully so. That is so good, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're sharp. Well, um, uh, we've been talking about influence this whole season. That's kind of been the theme that we've mm-hmm. been um, kicking around. Mm-hmm. And today we want to talk about um, the influence that each of our stories mm-hmm. can have. And so story has such a powerful impact on mm-hmm. so many of us. Um, I don't know who said it originally, but somebody said it, uh, that story was the language of the heart. Mm. And so there's, you can speak to somebody's head, you can give information, you can give data, but mm. uh, whenever you put it into the form of a story, it really moves us, mm. uh, moves our emotions. We identify with it. We have empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of Jesus' favorite ways to teach. Yes, um, He taught, uh, his stories were called parables mm. and... Um, and so uh, story is such uh, an important thing, you know, even in, uh, you know, we've just launched Rooted at, at church and mm-hmm. uh, part of that 10 week gathering is every participant learning to tell their story. Mm. And so um, that's what we want to talk about a little bit today mm. is uh, just uh, uh, share uh, maybe our personal stories yeah, yeah. and why story has a tendency to be so powerful. What do you think? Why do you feel that story moves people. Mm-hmm. I see it in preaching, you mm-hmm. know, that mm-hmm. um, it's almost that switch that ends up happening. Yeah. 
uh, where, you know, people are maybe kind of sitting back, maybe they're kind of getting situated. Mm -hmm. They might even be taking notes, but I know that I've really am speaking to their heart. I've said this to you before Mm -hmm. when I watch them like leaning forward Mm -hmm. with their mouth slightly (laughs) gaped open because they're really just tracking. And usually it has a tendency to be, you know, some sort of a story. So why do you think that that's so compelling? I think um, a lot of times teachings or what we're trying to explain something, they can be so abstract. They can be, you know, I can understand it, but it's hard for me to place myself there. But when you share a story... I can find myself within that story. It helps me make sense of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think it really closes the gap. And, and there's something just unbelievable. And I think it's part of how we're wired too, of anytime you get a group of people together, you know, I hang out with some friends that I grew up with um, still, and it just takes a matter of time before we're telling stories and remembering, and, and it really brings the conversation to life. And I think the same is, is true with teaching, and and I think that's probably one of the main reasons why you know Jesus mm-hmm. um, chose to use it so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story is, I think that's one of the reasons why we're so uh, taken as a culture, and this is global culture mm. uh, with um, good storytelling. Mm. So whether that's uh, plays mm-hmm. or uh, TV shows or movies, stand-up comedy, stand-up oh, comedy, yeah, yeah, just the structure of all that. Mm-hmm. But usually behind all of our really, really good movies, you'll see the gospel message mm. sort of laid out mm-hmm. because that's sort of embedded in the human heart. Yes, and uh, so I think being able to pick that out to discern it. So you're not just like watching movies or t- TV shows for entertainment, mm-hmm. but actually seeing the the um, uh, the story of the gospel, the mm. redemption, the restoration of the world actually embedded through all of that. Mm. Uh, I think, and that's, you know, um, uh, being able to, I think, sit down with your kids and have those types of conversations mm. and be able to help them to see that, I think mm. is so important. That's good, man. Yeah. Ryan, you have uh, a compelling story. Mm. And I think that uh, I'd love to, I know that I've, I've heard it before. I've kind of uh, had a, a seat, yeah. you know, to, to watch a God move in your life. Oh, for sure. And uh, so uh, why don't you kind of unpack like mm-hmm. your story, mm-hmm. like just where, where are you from yeah. and um, how did God get a hold of your heart? How did you end up mm. where you are today? I think that yeah. uh, people would like to know that. Well, Okay. So it started uh, in the year of our Lord, 1980. No, um, <laughs> but I grew up here, um, Indianapolis, born and raised. Born and raised. Born and what hospital were you born in? Methodist oh. Hospital. So I have lived within, you know, maybe 20 minutes of that hospital my whole life. Um, mm-hmm. I love it here so much. Uh, and you're even wearing a Pacers I, yes, thing um, right now. Go, go, go Pacers. Um, I took your, your joke. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, I, well, yeah, we, we have one of the assistant coaches goes to our church <laughs> and he texted me Sunday afternoon after my Pacers joke. And so. Sure. You know, it hit home with him. Thankfully, uh, we're good friends and he has a good sense of humor. Yeah. So. Um, but grew up uh, west side of Indy, um, one brother, mom and dad. Uh, Older brother? Younger brother? Younger brother. Um, so I was the oldest. And... You know, had a pretty normal, average upbringing. Uh, Midwest, two parents working super hard. Dad's a plumber. Mom works in customer service. And definitely knew that I was loved growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, there was no uh, faith. There was no church experience. There was no... um, 
everything was very practical and every everything always came back to you know work hard do your best um take care of of your family that was kind of the mantra i would say that i grew up with and and Hol- holiday church at all like no christmas easter none of, none of that none, none of that um the only like even mentions which sounds crazy now of like god or church or religion that i could connect to even conversations I remember hearing was just the the evils that it created of war and uh, how it excluded people and just the the pains that came from it. Um, and I don't even know why that was there, but I can just remember those thoughts being in there. Um, and so grew up uh, on the outside of it. The only experience I really had with Christians was at school, and wasn't wasn't a big fan. Um, <laughs> kind of their own group, never felt like you could really get in. Um, Mm. And I look back now and you try to think of like how much of that was reality and how much of that was just perceived of that I was just adding to it that wasn't really there. But I go through my high school career, uh, Ben Davis Giant, uh, Mm -hmm. go Giants, but then uh, graduate and I become the first person in my family to go to college, which Mm -hmm. is an amazing, amazing thing that I got the ability, I was able to do that. Um, but at the same time, when you're the first one, no one really knows what you're doing. So uh, freshman year, end up going through this whole thing. Uh, my uncle co-signs for my student loans. I go to IUPUI. It's amazing. Uh, and then between, as I go into my sophomore year, I want to transfer down to IU Bloomington, get the college experience, you know. Uh, but between those years, my uncle... Uh, can no longer, you know, sign for my loans. But we, we were talking to the school and they're like, it's fine. You know, we, we can work it out. Just come on down. We'll figure it out. And I was like, okay, uh, sounds good to me. And I go down to Bloomington and we're trying stuff. We submit some papers and we wait. And then letter comes back and it says, um, sorry, your loan's been denied. I'm like, okay. And then do something else and we send it in again and it gets denied. But I'm still so naive at this point into thinking like, but it's, well, yeah, we'll be okay. And then like December 16th, mm-hmm. uh, or December 6th, I actually get a letter in my little mailbox in the dorm saying, we have not received tuition. Please have all your stuff out of the dorms by December 16th. Mm. And I remember just being so like lost mm. of, it was the first time in my life that I couldn't do the thing that I wanted to do. Because under that mantra, if you just show up, if you work really hard, you can be uh, what you want to be. And this was a situation that I didn't understand. It was just beyond me. Um, So I get sent home. uh, I owe IU $10,000 and I can't get back into a college until I pay them. Uh, I don't have that. So (laughs) I just, I move back in with my parents and I start doing the only thing I know how to do. I I start working two jobs. Um, the one that most people know me for, I worked at uh, Burger King. Uh, <laughs> so I was working there in the mornings and then indie parks at night, just trying to save up enough money to pay it off to get back into school. Hmm. And, you know, a little bit into that, um, I'm hanging out with some friends. They go to IUPUI and they say, hey, um, there's a mutual friend of ours that we think you guys would be great together. Um would you be up for going on a blind date? And I'd never been on a blind date, so I wasn't too excited and pretty insecure of where I was and what I was going through. I was like, yeah, I'm up for it, but does she know that, you know, um, I'm out of college, I'm working two dead-end jobs? And they were like, no, but, and I don't think you need to lead with that maybe, but just like, <laughs> see where it goes. 
And I, I said yes, and it was a like a group hangout type of thing, and I got to meet her, and she was incredible. She was beautiful, and she was kind, and she was different. Um, and so after this group hangout, I said, hey, I would love to go on a, a real date with you. And she said yes, and we go out to and it's an amazing night of uh, Max and Irma's, if you remember that restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it was hot, you know, I was doing pretty well uh, mm-hmm. with those two jobs. So mm-hmm. uh, we go out to dinner, we go to a movie, we see Dear John. Uh, Channing Tatum did a phenomenal job in that movie. Um, <laughs> uh, but then at the end of this night, I'm dropping her off. I think it's been an unbelievable night. Can't wait to see her again. I'm dropping her off at her mom's house. And I said, hey, would love to see you again. Would you be up for that? And she said, yeah, um, that'd be great. Do you want to go to church with me on Sunday? And I was like, oh, um, no, uh, I don't want to go to church with you on Sunday. I'm a good person, but church really isn't my thing. And thinking that would be the end of the conversation and she would get out of the car and you know, we would text later to figure out some details for what's next. But she turns in the moment and she goes into this whole bit on she doesn't go to church because she's a good person or thinks she's better than anyone. She goes to church because of Jesus and then lays out the gospel that Jesus is the son of God. God loves us so much, sent his mm. only son to die. Like just pouring wow. it on. And I'm sitting there like, this is the wildest thing I've ever heard in my life. But at the same time, it was like, I think if there is a God, he would have to be a God like that. A God hmm. that could love people in a way that I can't even fathom. And she gets to the end of this and I'm, I'm hooked. And I said, you know what? I'll go to church with you on Sunday. And I go to church and the church I go to is Traders Point Christian Church. Mm-hmm. And Never this, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, um, <laughs> middle of the road church, uh, nothing special. And uh, the lead pastor is preaching. Wait, now what year is this? <sighs> this would have been, let's see. 2010? Yeah. Wow, you know my story uh, better than I. It would have been 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So I go in, um, you're preaching. You don't do half bad, uh, half as good as she did, I would say, on Friday night. No, that is true. It sounds like her sermon was way better. (laughs) It was an unbelievable sermon. But no, no, seriously, I walked in, and as I walked through the doors, once again, all of those stereotypes, all those thoughts I had about who church people were, what church was, when I walked through the door, it was like every step I took, those things were literally just falling. And it was like, those can't be true because I'm experiencing something different here. And I sat down and I heard just an amazing proclamation of of the gospel and who Jesus is. And I was hooked. I never stopped coming. Mm. Um, I came back and back again. Uh, You would then baptize me about six months later. And then... We've got a picture. Yes, we do. Should we put the picture in the show notes? That's... uh, I think we should. We should. Um, (laughs) It's clear we're we're aging pretty well. I do do think so. We're doing okay. You know, the uh, the, the 2010s were... It was a rough rough, rough year. It was a little bit. But uh, got baptized... Uh, ended up getting engaged and then married to the young woman that shared the gospel with me. What's up, Steph? Mm, Stephanie, way uh, to go, Stephanie. What, what a woman. And then really got to that place of, I was wrecked by Jesus. I was wrecked by his church. When I, once I started serving and getting involved with that, um, I couldn't go back, you know? Even though I eventually paid off um, the money that I owed IU, you're welcome IU if you're listening. Um, I got back into school 
But the only reason I was ever in college, to be honest, was to make a whole bunch of money. And in the, you know, the family that I grew up in, the community I grew up in, all the problems I saw, it was, you know, if someone just had more money, everyone would be okay. And so that was the idea. I would go to college, I would go to law school, and I would be able to take care of, of all the situations. But as I began to see Jesus and understand that my problems and our problems were so much bigger than money, uh, it didn't have the same, I didn't have the same desires. So I started asking around and uh, the guys at the the church um, back then, a lot of them went to Cincinnati Christian University. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to them and figuring out what is Bible college? Is, could I go or you know, do you have to be a priest? Uh, I was still, still trying to figure this thing out of what does that mean? Can I still be married? Uh, I was very confused. <laughs> but I actually, they had two programs at the time through Cincinnati. They had a business program and a ministry program. Mm. But I still wasn't ready to get rid of my dreams of being very successful. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the business program, learn about Jesus. I can scratch that itch, but then at the same time, get my MBA, continue on my course to to be rich. And I send everything in. They call me back the next week and they say, hey, everything looks great. The only thing, we're actually canceling our business program. All we have is a ministry program. Mm -hmm. Are you still interested? Mm -hmm. And I, I, was like, I guess I've already, I'm already there. Like I'm at the line. I believe this is where I'm supposed to go. So I, I say yes. And, and I go into that and I learn, I felt like I was playing catch up a ton of, you know, missing the first 21 years of Sunday school and, and sermons and lessons. I, I caught up pretty quick with mm. theology and studying because I believed so quickly and so easily that part of me began to kind of doubt of like, okay, should I be believing what I believe? Is mm. there, is, can it be substantiated? Should I believe? And is there a reason to have the faith that I do? And that was a really big part of, of Bible college. And right before I graduated, that's when I came on staff, started serving in youth ministry, preached my first sermon, did campus mm. ministry. And then the past 10 years of, you know, being a husband and raising a family and um, doing my best to be a productive member of this church and mm-hmm. part of the leadership, man, it is just such a different life than I ever could have ma- imagined. And, and I'd say the biggest difference when I look back at it of who I was before Jesus and who I am now, I mean, I think Augustine talks about this of like, when you come to Jesus, you it's like your desires are reordered. The things that you thought were true and the things that you thought would bring you fulfillment, um, like money, and mm-hmm. it's it becomes so clear that, man, how could I have ever thought that that would be the thing? Because mm-hmm. it's so shallow in comparison to the love of Jesus. And all as I look back of all the wants and desires I had to be the hero and to be the one that saved and to be the one that could be good enough to help the people that I loved, I felt so much freedom in the spot of like all the yearning and the longing that I had to be that person. Jesus has already been that person and already did everything that I wanted to do. And there was just an eerie peace that came over that um, Mm. for me. And Mm. it's still a struggle for me. I still struggle with, you know, self-worth and believing that I'm enough, but I would hate to see who I'd be today if it wasn't Mm. for, for Jesus. So yeah, man, that's a, maybe not so short, but, uh, no, so good. Middle of the road kind of story of who yeah. I am and how I got here. Yeah, and mm. I never get tired of hearing that. Mm. And every time I hear your story, I hear something just a little bit different yeah. and, and uh, get a little bit of a, a more complete picture of that. Yeah. yeah, I can still recall, you know, um, 
seeing you because I you always sat yeah. over here to yes. my right. Yep. And um and I remember like you I, I'll pick out people in the crowd like that are this is before we were more multi site. Yeah. So pretty much like the whole church is under mm-hmm. one roof and two services at this point. And I can I'll pick out people that are listening really intently mm-hmm. and you were always one of those guys. And that was always the hilarious thing because we would leave church and it felt, I mean, you're in this room, 2000 people, but it felt like you were looking at me because it sounds like you were, because <laughs> it was like, you'd leave and I'd be driving with stuff and be like, I think he was talking to me today. Like, I yeah. think that God gave him that and, and you did in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, man. And I would love to, to flip that. And I know you've shared just pieces and parts of your story during the sermon, mm-hmm. but I think it would be really good for people to be able to hear like the full Aaron Brockett story of how you came to know Jesus and, and the whole thing. The, what's your backstory, man? Yeah. Um, well, I think that in order to really kind of see the hand of God, you know, moving in my life, mm. just to back up and look at my two of my grandfathers. Mm. So my uh, dad's dad and my mom's dad, they were the first Christians either side of the family. Wow. So when you go back to like my great grandpa Brockett mm-hmm. and then my great grandpa Bailey, mm-hmm. um, both those guys were pretty lost, mm. confused, like hurting men. Mm. And um, my the Brockett side of the family, most of them are complete pagans. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think more and more of them have come to know Christ now, uh, but they're all from like Burlington, Iowa. We had okay. somebody from church this last week from Iowa and I said, hey, I got a bunch of family in Burlington. And they're like, man, that is a rough area. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. Like I, I've been to a couple family reunions there. Mm. Uh, and then the Bailey side of the family, same kind of a thing. So both my grandfathers, thankfully, uh, my grandpa Bailey's passed away. My grandpa Brock is still alive. He's mm. 92. But both those guys have told me about their dads. Mm. And the families that they came out of. And, you know, my great-grandfathers grew up in, like, the 1920s and 30s. Mm-hmm. And it was jacked up. Yeah. Like, just their family life. And um, so they had, um, you know, kids and, like, you know, um, blew their families apart. Mm. Both my great-grandfathers cheated on my great-grandmothers. Whoa. My great-grandma... Um, Brockett uh, was forced into uh, prostitution for a season just to provide for her family. And my grandpa was was one of her sons. So those are the kinds of environments they grew up in. Wow. When they became young men, um, like, and I'm talking early 20s, they both gave their life to Christ. They didn't know each other yet, but they mm. both gave their life to Christ in pretty dramatic ways. And um, my favorite story, this is just kind of a sidebar. Mm-hmm. My grandma, uh, my mom, these are my mom's parents. She told me that, because my grandma grew up in church mm. and she started dating my grandpa Bailey mm-hmm. and he was not a Christian. Mm. And she, uh, he was driving her home one day and she broke up with him. <laughs> and she said, I don't think I can date you anymore because you know you don't follow Jesus. And, he's a, and he was a very calm dude. And he just kind of said, okay, I understand. Walks her up to the front door, walks back to the car. She runs to the window because she really liked him. Yeah. Um, and she's just watching him. And he walks over to the car slams the door and shatters the glass oh. in the car. He was like so upset. <laughs> and then over the course of the next like three or four months, he genuinely gave his life to Christ mm. and then went back to her. They started dating and voila, there you Come go. On. Anyway, I say all that to say they changed the trajectory of our family tree. Mm. So my dad's dad became a preacher mm-hmm. right after his conversion. Mm-hmm. My mom's dad um, worked in a factory, but he led worship mm. like uh, on a voluntary basis. Mm. 
And uh, they jump in and they start serving this church in the 1960s. I actually have a picture of two of my grandfathers and an adopted great-grandfather who are doing a groundbreaking for a church building. So it's like God like it, like yeah. redeemed their stories, kind of brought them together. However, you know, being the era that they grew up in, my um, dad's dad wasn't necessarily uh, very nurturing. Mm. And so he had uh, four kids, mm. three girls and a boy. The boy was my dad. Mm. Um, and um, my dad grew up kind of a typical preacher's kid, you know, pretty jaded by the mm -hmm. church and and uh, just always growing up in that environment. Yeah. And so by the time he met my mom, they, they met, uh, they went to the same church. Uh, he joined the Navy just to kind of get out of town. Mm. And uh, they had me. I'm the oldest of two. Mm. I've got a younger sister. And then they moved back to Southwest Missouri. Mm. Um, and we were in church from very early days. Like, okay. you know, you say that you never went to church. Mm. I can't ever remember a Sunday not being in church. Wow. Um, I was born in April. Um, Easter Sunday was like a week later, and I'm in You're church. You're there. I've got wow. this little blue outfit on, you know. <laughs> Pros and cons to that. Mm. So the pros were, I did know all the Sunday school stories. Mm. I went to a Christian school, so I had Bible classes, did lots of memory verses. Mm. All that stuff has still stayed up here, mm -hmm. which has been real beneficial. Yeah. The downside to a lot of that was that it's all I ever knew. So like mm. having this like sort of dramatic conversion mm -hmm. experience mm. had somewhat largely been missed on me mm. because it was just like the environment that I always grew up in. Mm -hmm. But I do remember when I was six years old, um, talking to the pastor of our church and he came over to my dad's office and he's doing this interview with me mm -hmm. and asking, grilling me with all kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. You know, who is God? And mm -hmm. Who is Jesus? And I would just answer the questions that yeah. I heard in Sunday school. Yeah. And I remember he looked up at my mom and dad and he goes, hey, he's ready. Oh, and I remember going, ready for what? Like, I don't even know what we're talking <laughs> what are we about. Doing here? And I got baptized like that next okay. Sunday. And not really fully grasping all mm. of what it fully meant. Mm. I do remember thinking right after my baptism, I was still wet coming mm. out of the baptistry. I was like, I can't sin again. Mm. I just remember thinking like, I can't mess up again. Like I can't do anything wrong. Dang. And the first time I did, which I think was maybe five or 10 minutes later <laughs> after that, I was like so defeated uh, and so ashamed. Mm. So I kind of like, I kind of grew up with all that. Mm -hmm. uh, so grew up in church, grew up in Christian school. And was pretty just kind of like middle of the road mm -hmm. kind of a kid. Like mm -hmm. I would just always see myself as an average kid. Mm -hmm. so nothing really stood out mm -hmm. special about me. I wasn't like a, I didn't feel like a natural leader. Yeah. Um, B's and C's in school, six man off the bench, yep. barely making the team. Very similar. We, we, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, you know, um, uh, I, girls might be interested in me for a week or two and then mm. would quickly lose interest, you mm. know, all that kind of a yeah. stuff. I was just kind of under the radar mm. and, uh, did not want to think about my future. Mm. So when I got to be, um, graduate high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I loved sports, but I knew I wasn't good enough to play them mm -hmm. at a collegiate level. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, well, let me just be around sports. Let me just go into sports medicine. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll just kind of do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my senior year, uh, with just a few months left to graduate, a really good friend of mine, uh, we were shooting baskets in his driveway and he said, Hey, I'm going to go on a college visit. And, uh, would you like to go with me? Mm. And I was like, where are you going to go? And he said, Lincoln Christian college, which was in Lincoln, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, um, um, uh, went with him on that college visit and, um, 
we both like looked at Lincoln and we we're like, yeah, we don't want to go. We don't want to move to central Illinois. It's yeah. horrible in the winter. And uh, Ozark Christian College was in our hometown, which mm-hmm. I'd always never been interested in. Mm-hmm. But I remember uh, signing up to go to Ozark mostly because I didn't know what else to do. Mm. I was like, this just kind of feels like the safe option. Yeah. And you know what? I'll go for like a year take some Bible classes, kind of build up the foundation of my faith, Mm -hmm. then transfer to university somewhere and Mm -hmm. then figure out what I'm going to do. That was pretty Mm -hmm. much like the game plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was a freshman year of Bible college, um, actually, I need to back up my senior year of high school. um, I I had like what I might call like not a second conversion, but maybe a conversion in which I understood the gospel. Mm So I just remember reading Romans chapter five, mm. verse eight. That was the passage that really cro- moved me across the line of faith mm. where I was like, I need to make this decision for myself. Mm. Like I was baptized when I was six, but um, after reading this, I understand who Jesus is. I understand what the gospel is. And it, mm. that was that was like a like a conversion experience for mm. me. Like I, I got baptized again okay. in front of like all my friends and t- shared my story and, and all that. So... Um, and then while I was in Bible college, man, I just heard some of the best like teaching and preaching mm. I've ever heard in my life. I was mm. stunned. Mm. Like I had no idea that the Bible could be that compelling mm. and felt a real clear like calling from God. And when I say that, it meaning like God was saying, you need to stay in Bible college and become a preacher. Mm. And I did not want to do that at mm. all because my grandfather was a preacher. Yeah, yeah. And I that didn't seem like a very glamorous life to me. Mm-hmm. And um, but um, ended up uh, feeling very compelled to do it. The first sermon I ever preached was on a mission trip in Russia, which was wild. Wow. So I, I preached in front of a literal, like a statue of a hammer and a sickle Okay. Um, in some little communist town. And um, and I was hooked after that, like just, uh, just began preaching anywhere that I could. Like I remember preaching in nursing homes mm-hmm. because the shut-ins needed somebody to come mm-hmm. in and preach to them. I would preach on the weekends to these little churches of 10, 15, 20 mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and just trying to get as many reps in as I could and just mm-hmm. felt, uh, called by God to preach. So, um, yeah, man, that's what, that's mostly my story. And, um, you know, Lindsay and I got married. We had a lot of different smaller ministries around mm-hmm. the country, planted a church in California and then came to Traders Point, uh, in 2007. It's been uh, 15 years. So it's, Dang. it's been a wild thing. And do you feel, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a native from Indiana and Indianapolis, do you feel like being here that long? I mean, outside of probably Missouri, I mean, you've been here longer than anywhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like, uh, this is home? Yeah, this feels like home. It's felt like home ever since we got here. Like mm. anytime Lindsay and I would move to a new location, mm-hmm. um, we would always feel like, hey, God called us here, mm. but not forever. Mm. When we came to Indy, it was like, yeah, God called us here. Mm. And we feel like this could be a forever thing. Like mm. we could be here for a long time. Mm. And so we love the church. We love the city. It fits us. Mm-hmm. We feel like we've grown up here in many mm-hmm. ways. Mm. Um, and so wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So I'm glad you're here, man. Mm-hmm. Um and thanks for sharing your story. And and I know like a lot of people think about sharing their story. It's very connected to to sharing our faith. I mean, they go hand in hand specifically. It's probably one of the best ways to to share your faith with someone is to be able to share your story. But at the same time, you know, what we just did here, it's a little bit easier because we know each other and mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch of cameras and a microphone. No, it doesn't make it easier. But <laughs> I would say a lot of people feel intimidated of being able to sit down and to share their story and maybe in a succinct way or to share it in a clear way or what should 
I say? What shouldn't I say? I don't know, over your years of sitting down with people and being in ministry and sharing your story, is there like a either a structure or a format or a way that you usually approach it when you sit down with someone and begin to share your story? Well, I think the first thing that we all of us have to remember is like your story is your story. Hmm. So you don't need to be ashamed of that. You mm-hmm. don't need to feel like it's not very compelling or that mm. it's boring or anything like that. Your story is your story. Mm. It's the it's the hand of God that he's been moving in and through your life. Mm. And even I think the most challenging thing about what we just did is like I'm, I'm like trying to figure out um, – how to edit (laughs) because there's so much. Mm -hmm. There was actually just a lot that I needed to cut there just for the sake of time. There's so much as we just kind of look back at the hand of God. Mm -hmm. But I think even we talk about this a little bit in Rooted, I think in a very clear, succinct way is to say, okay, what was my life like before uh, Jesus? Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the decision that I made? What brought me to that decision? And then what change has he made in my life after? Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to say this carefully because I know there may be a lot of people listening to this and they may relate to this, but it always mildly concerns me when I'm talking to somebody and I say, hey man, like, and I'm talking to a Christian, hey man, like share, share your faith with me. And they were like, well, I just, I've just always known Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like I've just like always kind of known him and been, and I'm always like very curious about that. I'm not um, questioning it or mm-hmm. doubting it or challenging mm-hmm. it. But there should be a pre-conversion, mm-hmm. a conversion, and then a um, transformational like story yes. uh, to that. Mm. Um, you know, we all did, we didn't just come into this world born Christian. <laughs> um, so yeah, you might like me. You might have been raised in church. Yeah. Like my that was kind of like my story. Is like I was kind of always around. I can't remember a season of my life where mm. I wasn't in church or didn't hear about God. But mm. I still had to have a come to Jesus mm. moment mm-hmm. where. It, it was my faith. Like mm-hmm. we talk about this with our kids mm-hmm. all the time. Like, hey, we're not going to tell you what to think. We're not mm-hmm. going to tell you what to believe. We're mm-hmm. going to walk with you mm-hmm. and help you figure this out. But mm-hmm. your conversion is your conversion mm-hmm. uh, with Jesus. So I think that breaking that up for people to kind of digest it and mm-hmm. say, what was my life before Jesus? I'm not mm-hmm. talking about if you went to church or not. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about mm-hmm. did, what was the time when you didn't know Jesus and then explain that time when you met him mm-hmm. and then what was the significant difference that it made after mm-hmm. That's good, man. And then as you kind of, I love that structure. It's in-rooted. If, if you're rolling through that right now, you're coming up on it. And mm-hmm. probably by the time this this releases, but it is a great framework to just look at who, who I was before Jesus saved me. What was it that was compelling about the gospel at that moment? And then how did it change me and, and and why am I different? And just to keep going in that in that same that same vein, um, how do you share your story, not just the format of it, but with someone in a way that's not weird, in a way that's not just uh, uncomfortable? Um, what have you seen that works when it comes to, hey, I want to share my faith? Because there's so many different ways that we we see it done from, you know, people with bullhorns and yelling to just, just it can get weird. But mm-hmm. how can it not be weird? How can it be um, one of the most compelling things that we can do um, with our faith is to yeah. share it. Yeah, I think that all of us need to recognize that every single person has a story and uh, we need to just be real curious. Mm. And so um, instead of thinking like a 
salesman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like where I got to like close the deal. Yes. You know, even Jesus talked about that analogy of farming. You know, some prepare the soil, some plant the seeds, some mm-hmm. see a harvest. You know, you may not, like you yeah. may not necessarily see that person come to know faith and you need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. God might use you as a part of yep. bringing them a little bit closer. So I think we need to ditch the whole, I got to move them across the line of faith. Mm-hmm. I got to sell them on, I got to convince them of this thing. I yes. mean, I think sometimes I've said this before from up front, if somebody can be argued into faith, they can be argued out of it. Mm -hmm. So, so arguments, defense of the faith, apologetics, all that has a place and a purpose. Mm -hmm. I get real concerned whenever that's maybe, and I know some people who have come to faith through apologetics. Mm -hmm. I know that that God can use that, Mm. but, um, I think it just really needs to be baked in a relationship. Mm. So I think you just really need to just be genuinely, like I just genuinely want to build a relationship yeah. with this person regardless of whatever decision that they make yep. and let it be become real natural. Mm. And... Um, and not necessarily, but hey, man, let me tell you my story. Yeah. But I think we've got to we got to figure out how to ask really good questions. Yes. So it's like when you're talking to your neighbors, mm-hmm. when they bring up their kids, mm-hmm. learn to ask questions yes. that just sort of pull their story out mm-hmm. of them, and then you're just kind of serving as a as a an encourager, mm-hmm. a guide, mm-hmm. because. What we have to understand is that whoever God has placed in front of you, he loves and cares about them way more than you ever would. Mm. And God is at work in their life. And mm-hmm. you just got to trust that. Yes. That's so good, man. And I love the being curious spot. I think we get so overwhelmed and tense about when am I going to share my story? Am I going to share it now? I'm just <laughs> waiting for the moment for me to be able to say it. Like, why not just lead with, hey, can you tell me your story? Even mm. if they're not a Christian or if they have a story yeah, no and doubt. to be able to hear it. And what I've seen is also helpful is, you know, and I'm sure you're to this this way as well, like when I share my story, it's not always exactly the same. Depending on who I'm sitting down with, there's parts of my story that I think would be more helpful than others. And now I can not change, but tailor my story in a way that can show Jesus to actually be able to meet the unique needs that I see from their story and why it's not only for me, but also it's for you. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think this just goes back to to story and and you mentioned apologetics, um, but at the end of the day, and I hear this so many times, like oh, I just don't want to share my story because I don't know the full story of the Bible or I don't know everything mm-hmm. there is to know about. But if you look at apologetics, one of the main things of why people believe that the Christian faith is true and that Jesus really resurrected is changed lives. It wasn't necessary. It, it was the fact that there was a group of people that were one way. This guy gets killed, is buried, and then resurrects. And then from that moment, they are completely different people. No one can argue with your testimony and how you went from over here to over here. So just to have that like freedom and knowing that you don't have to have every answer to know how God uniquely changed your life. And, and don't mm-hmm. wait for that for you to be able to share because yeah. people need it. Yeah, I love that conversation in the Gospel of John where two guys mm. were talking and he's like, hey man, you know, come, come come see Jesus. And the guy's like, Jesus of Nazareth? <laughs> like what good can come from there? Yes. And he asked some questions and mm. he didn't know the answers. And he was like, I don't know, come and see. Mm. And I think that kind of format, I think is, goes a long way. Mm-hmm. I think when we, we don't have to be, if there's anything, I planted a church in Northern California in uh, Davis, California, which is where UC Davis is. It's okay. a very similar environment to Berkeley. Mm. And one of the things I learned in preaching uh, in Davis is because we had a lot of um, people that came out of academia in the university setting that came to our church. And I am not an academic and I'm not an intellectual. I think anybody could 
That's why we get along so well. (laughs) (laughs) Could could pick that up. (laughs) So in preaching to academics and intellectuals, Mm. you can either try to Mm. pretend like you are Mm. and they'll sniff it out, Mm. or you can just be real. Mm. And I think that we just need to be real. Yes. Like we don't need to have the answers to everybody's questions. I think most of the time, I would even say, even if you do have an answer to somebody's question, you don't have to provide it. You can actually that say- That is worth price of admission for this whole podcast. Yeah. Oh, dude, that In fact, is I would even say sometimes, like if we're so quick, like yeah. Johnny on the spot to be mm-hmm. like, I've got an answer to that. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah. It's a turnoff. Mm-hmm. And people are like, man, I don't even know if this is safe for me to explore with yep. you. And I think in, in instead of telling somebody the answer, mm-hmm. being able to- walk with them as a guide to help them discover mm-hmm. the answer. That'll go such a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if somebody asks a really complex question, which mm-hmm. we get asked complicated mm-hmm. questions all the time, to be able to go, you know what? Man, that is such a great question. Uh, I'm not fully sure. Let's mm-hmm. look at that together. Mm-hmm. Even if you think you might know the answer, because mm-hmm. that'll go such a long way mm-hmm. in reinforcing um, for them mm-hmm. even. Um, for them to be able to pursue and to seek out answers for themselves. That's so good, man. And I know you joke about not being an intellectual, but you are brilliant. And and I think it shows up differently and, and some people miss it. But this past weekend, it really hit me. I mean, you're walking through election and these big concepts, Arminianism, Calvinism, and you did it in such a clear way with clear language that no matter if you were in junior high or you were 70 years old, you could understand it in a way that's like, that makes a ton of sense. So mm. um, one, I don't know why I said that, but I just wanted to say <laughs> that I appreciate you I for appreciate being able to, to break things down in a way. Um, I really think that takes a ton. So, Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Um, did we just have a little bit of a moment there? We did. Uh, yeah, we can keep it. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with it. Uh, but as kind of looking at that, maybe kind of putting a, a stake there on, and hopefully that's been helpful for people to be able to see your story matters, your story has power um, in how God has redeemed you and continues to do it and don't be afraid of it. Uh, hopefully there's some practical stuff there that you can use. Um, but I also want to throw this out there to you. Um, during the time of this season, we're kind of getting ready for the holidays, November, that's December. Crazy. Is there anything on your heart, anything you want to share with uh, the church and with, with everyone really of what's to come? What are you excited about? Well, um, you know, you've heard me talk to our staff before about the ministry year hmm. mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, I got this from Rick Warren who started Saddleback Church a long time ago. He just equated what God does in the lives of people throughout the year, like Mm -hmm. waves. Mm -hmm. So even as we think about ministry throughout the entire year Mm -hmm. is that we are trying to anticipate the waves that God sends us and we don't create waves, we just surf them. Mm -hmm. And so we're ready for that. We take advantage of that. And, and, um, so, you know, August, uh, we, we saw a big wave come in where people are getting back into school routines post Labor Day and fall breaks, mm. a little bit of a lull, but we see another swell coming mm. with the holidays. So mm-hmm. usually after Halloween, um, you know, November and December, we start seeing lots of people coming back to church. Mm-hmm. And it's just around the holidays, you mm-hmm. know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And I think for us as a church to just be ready mm-hmm. for that, you know, we've got our men's night coming up on October the 28th, which we're super excited about. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many registrations we've got. And last I heard it was like 500. I'm oh, sure no, it's it was more that. than that. Last time I heard it was 800. Is I'm being eight, serious. Is yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying for mm-hmm. somewhere between 1500 and 2000 men uh, mm-hmm. to be there that night. And so um, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Man, that is a great, like what we would call just like a bridge event, Mm. you know? So for the 
uh, guys listening to this, man, if you've got that coworker, that boss, that friend that you really love to introduce to Jesus mm-hmm. and they've just keep, um, uh, you know, dodging your invitations to mm-hmm. church as men can do so well, mm-hmm. yes. um, uh, this would be a great uh, thing to invite mm-hmm. them to because there's going to be some really, really good food. We're going to have a ton of fun together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, going to, the night's going to go by so fast, yeah. um, but get your friends there, mm-hmm. like invite them to come, do whatever you have to do to get them there because I've done enough of these where just God shows up in in really impactful ways. I think there's going to be more Ryan Bramlets out mm. there, guys that are were far from God are going to come to this and go, I didn't know that church could be this way. I didn't yes. know men of God could be this way. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that and I'm excited about um, some things we've got planned and scheduled, you know, through the holidays mm-hmm. and just knowing in my years of ministry here, so many people whose lives have been changed mm. um, by God they'll say, I mean, I came to a Christmas service. Yes. That, that was like the first thing that they came to. So mm-hmm. I think for all of us as a church, and then if you've got that person you've been praying for and thinking about, mm. make the invite mm. um, because it could change somebody's mm. um, lives forever. Mm. That's so good, man. And yeah, and you talk a lot about you know the seasons and sometimes you refer to it even in farming. And I think what we're coming up on this, this, this Thanksgiving season, Christmas season, there's a different spirit in even the culture of people are more open. There's more of a space of remembering and understanding family or the lack thereof. Christmas, there's just natural moments where maybe what even a conversation that you didn't have in August, and it might not even have worked in August, but if you have that same conversation in November, December, October, like there can be some real fruit from it. So that's, yeah. that's so good, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, just want to throw it to you. Any last thoughts and then just kind of wrap us up from here. No, it's been, uh, man, it's been a great season and we're really looking forward to, uh, season three. We are two seasons in. I feel two like we're just getting in. rolling. Wow. I know. Well, we're veterans. Is this maybe, I think you're veterans after two seasons. Two, two is what it does. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. I just made that up. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll come back with season three after the new year mm. and, uh, getting some things uh, planned and scheduled for that. And, mm. uh, it'll be real exciting, mm. um, to jump into that. But uh, hey, uh, we just want to thank everybody for listening. I I've bumped into people. I hope you have too. Just out and about, who just express mm-hmm. so much appreciation for the podcast. Yes. This is a lot of fun. We mm-hmm. don't know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're just we're just sitting down and talking. Yes, and just trying to share a lot of the stuff that we don't have time to share on mm-hmm. Sunday mornings. Uh, the cutting room floor stuff. And then just um, mostly, I just want this to be an encouragement to the people that are listening. However you listen, if you're doing stuff around the house, if Mm -hmm. you're on your commute, that um, we would just convey that we're all in this together Mm -hmm. and we're just real people, Mm -hmm. uh, regular people just trying to follow after God. And I hope that you use this. uh, I hope that this podcast is an encouragement uh, Mm -hmm. to a lot of people and something that they can send to friends and family as maybe even a beginning point um, for their uh, spiritual journey. So thanks everybody for listening. It means a ton to us especially when you like, subscribe, and share it with friends. It helps us to get the word out. And uh, we will see you back here in the new year for season three. Yes. Thanks, Ryan. Mm -hmm.